Hi, everyone. This is Reed from The Fear of God. I want to thank you for listening and wanted to offer a word of discretion about the following episode. We are certainly no stranger to dark subjects on this show, and the subject of this week's exploration is somewhat controversial and might be upsetting to some listeners as it does touch on, among other things, matters of depression, domestic violence, and suicide. We want all of you who are listening, all who have ears to hear, as it were, to know that you are loved, that you are vital, and that you are not alone. And in that spirit, if you find yourself struggling with thoughts or feelings that seem to be beyond you and you need to talk, please call 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-TALK. We want to thank you again very much for listening, and we hope that you'll find the following conversation, however provocative or challenging it may be, to be, above all else, encouraging, comforting, and filled with hope from two men who are still fools for that belief, even after all this time. Thank you again. Welcome back to a brand spanking new episode of The Fear of God, your favorite podcast for discussion of things faithful and fearful. With you, as always, is Nathan Rouse, and with me, as always, is Reed Lackey. Look at that, Reed. You <laughs> thought I was going to make some asinine intro where, you know, yeah. I'll just leave you hanging there for a while, but I just... I just cut right to it. I was just so happy to see you. And uh, man, this is our this is our first episode in forty eight episodes where I've actually been with you at the start. You know, instead of surprising you after some wacky adventure that I, I go off on. Well, you it's, know, uh, it's a new experience. You know, you were writing that letter to one of your favorite celebrities, and I just figured I'd interrupt you. It was time to get there. Um, sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this will all make this will all make some measure of sense, listeners, as we dive deeper into this episode. Sure. Um, sure. So, my friend, you know, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, so um, you know, I just something I've been curious about um, before we get to the main content of our episode is, Reed, I just got to know what you're watching. What you reading? 
and what you're listening to. You know, I just I'm amazed. I got I'm amazed caught you pulled up any melody out of that. <laughs> What'd you say? I was saying I'm amazed you pulled any melody out of that with as much as you were laughing. <laughs> I got caught it. I got caught in the spirit. It just uh, it kind of swept me up. Feel the spirit. (laughs) Wow. Um, I might cut that. No, you better leave it. (laughs) So yeah, what you watching? What you reading? What you listening to, Riri? Well, so I've been on this little kick lately. Have you ever heard of the band Churches? But it's spelled C A with a V. Yeah, with a V. You know, I don't. I could not tell you if I've ever actually heard any of their stuff. I am familiar with them. One main connection point, there's a podcast I enjoy. Well, it's actually, at least this form of it is no longer there, but Andy Greenwald, currently of The Ringer and The Watch, used to have his own solo podcast, and they actually did the intro music for him. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, okay. that's the only association I have with them. But yeah, you you getting into them? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like them a lot. Um, Every Open Eye is the uh, is the album that I've been listening to, and it's just been on repeat ad nauseum. You know, like I first discovered is them. Is that a new album or an older one? No. I, well, I think it's their newer of the t- I think they only have two albums out, of which this is the more recent one. I discovered them not that long ago. But, uh, yeah, I just keep returning to it. Uh, it's, it's energetic. It's, uh, compelling pop. It's, uh, it's, it's great. I mean, it's uh, difficult for me to describe because speaking in terms of music is actually far more challenging for me. But, uh, but yeah, I'm a big fan of churches and I think everybody else should be too. Well, it's an appropriate, it's an appropriate band to discuss on our show. <laughs> right. For me, the what you're reading, I've got one right now. So I've, I've been on more of a reading kick. I go through these spells where I'll read a flurry of books and then go, gosh, embarrassingly, a couple months without reading anything and I'll get real mad at myself for it. And, but it takes like energy to get back into like actively reading. Sure. Right. Um, right. And then I'll read several uh, the same cycle will happen again. Um, but I did just start and finish. It's a real short treatise, actually shorter than I expected when I bought it, but. I felt like it was an important one to check out. So the book is called Building a Bridge, and the Mm. subtitle is How the Catholic Church and the LGBT Community Can Enter a Relationship of Respect, Compassion, and Sensitivity. Um, I am neither Catholic nor LGBT, but I felt like this was a very important uh, topic that I have some interest in figuring out. That is the church's relationship to that specific community. Um, but it's written right. by James Martin. Um, you may be familiar with his stuff on Twitter, but he's a Jesuit priest who's really gained a lot of notoriety recently in terms of just culturally and in the somewhat in the political sphere in terms of being a critic of it. Um, but he's also editor at large of America magazine, which is a Jesuit review of faith and culture. Mm. So I've been following him for a while and this book is actually brand new. I think it just came out in the last month or so. My theater background specifically gives me a big heart towards the LGBT community um, and lots of other nuanced conversation that is is better fit for hanging out at the bar on an evening has compelled me to really have a passion for this people group and and specifically how the church has treated them. Um, And so, you know, I really... Once I knew he was writing this book, I was like, yeah, I'm going to read that. So, so I did. I finished yeah. it. Um, 
wasn't quite as meaty as I was hoping for, but uh, the content that's there is strong. He um, apparently in the Catholic catechism, the, the phrasing of respect, compassion, and sensitivity is a big issue or is predominant language in the Catholic catechism. And so he basically just yeah. uses those as talking points for one, how the church can be towards this community and two, how this community might be towards the church. Um, it's, so it's really, gotcha. so the title is true. It's about his efforts to try to build a bridge, a conversation between these two communities. So, you know, wow. Some, some, not heavy at all. No, no. That's, that's, that sounds like summer reading for me. That's exactly. like, wow. My wife, my wife. Uh, so I got that. And the one I referenced last week, which was the reality one, you know, it's a real heavy title. Right, right, right. I was telling her I got those and she's like, oh, those, those, that all sounds really heavy. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's good. Because <laughs> oh, Lord knows I've re- I read enough comic books in my life. It's. Yeah. <laughs> I was just about to say, meanwhile, I'm uh, checking out the, the latest Stephen King book. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's my summer reading. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I like I liked it. It's good. It's, it's, I mean, any resource that, to me, in my humble opinion of these days, any resource that is meant and intending to foster compassion and sensitivity between uh, the church who has often uh, been very untoward in the direction of the LGBT mm-hmm. community, I think is a very worthwhile resource to consume these days. Sure. And in fact, fascinatingly, I know this is going at length, but this is good material. Um, his intro in the book, it, he talks about the Pulse nightclub shooting last year. And specifically, that was the impetus for him writing the book because he said in the wake of that, he saw so few clergy speaking compassionately about this community. And he said, mm-hmm. what a, what a terrible scenario we've created here. And he has this whole fascinating little diatribe. I know you didn't ask for all this, but he talks about how the, the, the things we call the names we use for a thing and how the appropriate nature of calling a community by the names they choose to be called by specifically what that means is, um, he says, he's like, we don't use the word Negro anymore. Right. The, right. the African American community has chosen African American and black as the naming of their community. And so to right. not, to not use that language is to disrespect that community, is to not show compassion, care, and sensitivity to that community. In the same regard, he highlights with LGBT, he says they don't refer to themselves as the homosexual community or as mm, right. same sex you know, uh, uh, orientation or, or whatever, like these right, are, right. these yeah. are not the phrases that they want to use for their community. Anyway, it's just a really, really interesting work. So worth your time. Mm. And it's, and it's really short. It's, it's really short. Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to check that out. That's great. And, uh, uh interesting, interesting enough that we're, that we're talking about that. Um, because I thought so too. Yeah. Our, uh, so our content today, listeners, if you, if you, if you caught the title of the episode, uh, you might be a little confused or maybe you looked on IMDb for the name of the episode and you were a little confused, like what in the world is this what we're talking about? Um, so as we've said, we did a couple of weeks ago that we are an examination of the intersection between the faith and the horror genre extending beyond just films, not, not explicitly horror films. So we've delved into a couple of works of literature. We did an episode on The Raven. We did an episode a couple of weeks ago on The Monkey's Paw. 
And when I conceived the show, even well before Nathan and I were in talks on partnering up to, sh- to do the show together, I kind of knew that this was potentially an opportunity to talk about today's content. So I want to say beforehand that like, uh, just a quick disclaimer that I, I just think it's worth some recognition that the content we're dealing with today is, is pretty controversial uh, at times in certain communities. And the figure itself, uh, the artist, uh, Eminem, is very controversial. But we're going to be looking at two songs specifically, one song more primarily than the other. Uh, but we're going to be looking at two songs specifically uh, by the artist Eminem, uh, who's a hip-hop artist. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of him. You've probably never listened to any of his material, or if you have, you, you know, I don't know. Uh, actually, that was pretty presumptuous of me. I don't know what your feelings are about him. Well, let me, let, me jump, let me jump in here, Reed. So, um, sure. You... Just to just to give a, a counterpoint here too is in in our earliest conversations about content, this has been on the list as you just articulated, like like from the beginning. I mean, you yeah, know, oh yeah, it was like you know, so that the Raven yeah. and there's a couple others, not consider notwithstanding all the specific movies, but you know, this has always been on the list, and and you feel free to give your account of this too, but. I remember, I remember early on just being like, ah, I don't know, man. I don't know. That's, <laughs> that seems like an odd choice. Now, in your defense, I was unfamiliar with both of these tracks. I know the primary singles that put Eminem on the map, although from doing research on these, it turns out these are a bit more prominent than I realized, but you know, yeah, lose yourself, slim shady, the cleaning out my closet, you know, some of these main tracks that kind of hit the cultural scene. Um, I was familiar with those, but in terms of his broader work, just really did not have an appreciation for it. Although, yeah. so this is fun. I did not anticipate even in interrupting you just a second ago, go in this direction. So the, to, to tie a bow there, I was reticent just because it was fam- material unfamiliar in a format that didn't really seem conducive to what we were doing it seemed a little out of the wheelhouse yeah but you know like a good female politician you persisted um (laughs) (laughs) wow Um, nevertheless i persisted yes yes um and you know the the opportunity arose in terms of scheduling and 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 content and all that sort of stuff I have been consuming these songs, uh, on repeat for about 24 hours now. And I, I'll, I'll give you credit. I, let it never be said. <laughs> I will not, uh, eat my words where necessary. You know, not that I hear me. I never said this is ridiculous. You're an idiot. Let's not do it. I just, I didn't, I didn't know. <laughs> I heard the, the tone though. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Tone. The tone was all that. Yeah. But it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't the words and the words matter. But, you know, having listened to these and, and kind of mulled them over uh, for a little while now, I, I definitely think uh, they merit examination in the way that we do this kind of content. So the fun question that just kind of burst in my brain a minute ago is, uh, how the crap do you know this stuff? <laughs> you know, oh, which funny. hear me, it makes yeah. it sound like you and I don't have an affection or an appreciation for hip hop writ large. That's not necessarily the case. I got, right, I right, got some right. J in my tunes and my iTunes. You know, um, but no, I, I was not, I didn't have any M&M stuff. So how, how did you come upon these? Uh, the, the short answers are, well, as you remember, I worked for nearly four years for Virgin Megastore, which, you know, you're, you encounter a vast amount of music, uh, just by virtue of being, uh, an employee of that store. But that was, you know, I had always known, known about him culturally. And if you're in the music industry, even the music retail industry, you, you need to know who the, 
top artists are in virtually every genre. So for a period of time, I did. And uh, I also, at the same time, lived with uh, a couple that uh, were pretty, pretty big fans of Eminem. And I was made a mixtape. Uh, or, or <laughs> it wasn't actually a tape, it was a CD, a mixed CD um, of some of Eminem's more prominent songs. And they were so passionate about, oh man, Eminem's great, you've got to get exposed to Eminem, blah, blah, blah. They made me the CD, I listened to it like once, and then, and to be honest, like didn't listen to it again. But then, it sort of hit my radar one time, I'm just sort of going through the CDs, and before I chuck something out, I'll be like, oh, let me give it another listen. So, I listened to it, and I basically went into it saying, and this was uh, a few years ago. I went into it and was basically like, okay, I'm just going to listen to this and then be done with it, whatever. And it was actually Stan, which that's the that's one of the two songs, and that's probably the primary song that we're going to be spending the time in this conversation on. Um, I listened to Stan, and in this second hearing of it, it really floored me. I don't know if it was just the conditions in which I heard it, uh, but it really floored me, and it made me shift my perspective of who I had initially seen as some, I'll, I'll use these words as a an identifier, not as an insult. I had always just sort of viewed Eminem in this pocket of, oh, he just wants to provoke people. There's no real careful thought or any any sort of deliberate intention behind anything he's doing. He's just trying to cause controversy and trying to provoke ire in people. And when I listened to Stan, my perspective almost immediately shifted. Because I was like, this is not the work of somebody who's not being intentional and deliberate with their art. Mm -hmm. This is the work of somebody who's really, you know, trying to reflect and think through some of these things. Now, I'm not saying provocation isn't part of the formula. Sure, sure. But it's not careless, I should say. Yeah. Like, like this is not careless provocation. It is undeniably provocative. Like, this may be some of the the heaviest and most explicit content we've ever covered on the show. But it is by no means careless. And that's following an episode about the fly. <laughs> exactly. But it is by no means careless or trivial or without the weight of its own potential impact, as I'm sure we'll get into in the conversation. So, listening to Stan sort of broadened my interest level in his work at large and I've come to be what I would consider a, a I would consider myself a fan of his although there are at least a handful of songs on every album that I just delete and never listen to again because it, because there's there is definitely the material in his catalog that is just like uh-uh like <laughs> I'm just not gonna I'm just not gonna go there um but by and large he's just a really powerful storytelling artist and i can appreciate that on a number of different levels so that's that's my story so so effectively what effectively what you're saying is you know you were in the in the midst of cleaning out your closet you you put this <laughs> you put this back on and somehow just were kind of losing yourself in some of what you were finding oh there it is yeah you oh, know oh, yeah you were, you know, it was just like, just like, please stand up. Here we are. You know, I mean, just, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> well, and, and so like, I'm a dummy. No, you're not a dummy. <laughs> um, but, uh, like, it's interesting because he, he does have kind of three or four different types of material. He actually has what he would call characters where, uh, like he's got the slim shady character who's this sort of almost a maniacal, I would almost equate him with like a joker type character the character himself is a homicidal maniac who takes explicit glee from causing chaos which is how i make that sort of equating there 
But then he also has the Marshall Mathers character, which is the I'm sorry, mama, cleaning out my closet, like publicly exercising all these personal sort of issues that he has. And then he has Eminem, which is the persona of his sort of hip hop legacy, as it were. So in a given album, any of the three characters may show up. And they will, you know, they, they all have their sort of intentions and their sort of rhythms and beats behind what he, what he's doing with his art. And, uh, so that's, that's something that I found really, really interesting. But specifically when we get into Stan, now did you, so I know you, you're prone the last few weeks to do more research than, than I'm used to you doing. <laughs> um, so did, did, did you, like, what context do you have for, for this, for these two songs specifically? The second song, by the way, that we're talking about is, is a song called Bad Guy, which came out in 2013, is a direct sequel to Stan. So what, what context did was, you have prior to this? I'm confused. I thought we were covering Stan by R.E.M. And oh my, oh my gosh, Badgy. What? <laughs> Badgy's not even a thing. You tried to work in the Muppets, and I appreciate that. I know, Badgie's I know, not even I tried. a thing. No, so I, I had no context, and and I mean, I went after listening to them several times through and read the Wikipedia stuff just to get kind of a handle. Because because again, in a vacuum, I know those few singles I referenced a minute ago, but have no knowledge of the breadth of what is out there of his. Sure. <clears throat> and so was very uh, impressed at the notoriety those two songs specifically had gained. Sure. I mean, just, sure. just enormous accolades. Oh, yeah. You know, I saw specifically where Stan Rolling Stone did a top 500 songs of all time and ranked it at oh, two, right. 296, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think I was hesitant to... And I don't know exactly where you're going to go with some of this, but um, I was hesitant to kind of let Eminem in the mix. That's a John Oliver <laughs> joke, but to let it in the mix, just because I knew he as an individual is controversial. I didn't want us to necessarily, you know, like I'm always one of these people who for better or worse, if a, if a celebrity's individual persona is a turnoff to me, it sours me on them almost completely. Sure. I understand. You know, and then like whether it's actors, you know, I, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head, but these moments that have come occasionally, uh, where someone who's very popular, you know, and, and I don't like right. them because I don't really care for their public, their public persona. Uh, someone will find out, what do you mean you don't like so and so? And it just becomes kind of hard to explain. But a- anyway, I just knew Eminem had some, some baggage, if you will, in terms of right, yeah, some of the homophobia that that people assign to him, and maybe you know, I, I didn't encyclopedically read interviews and things like that to know if that's really there, but I just knew that was sort of the baggage that's been attached to him over the years. Sure, right, but but was very impressed with this material. So yeah, sure, and uh, so so for listeners, I'll say this, and then we can dive more directly into the material itself. I always like because some of our listeners uh, are from a faith background. Some of them are not from a faith background. Some of them have certain wide open content standards and some of them have a little bit more restrictive content standards. So I will say this. These songs are very explicit, like lots of foul language. And particularly in the case of Stan, uh, one deeply disturbing verse, at least. So the, 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 the content, the material itself is very explicit, but I think not as, as we both mentioned already, not without warranting some conversation. 
What happens in the song Stan, uh, do you mind if we just, I think, no. in case people don't want to no. listen to it, let's just sort of uh, get get into this. This is going to be a little bit of a different format than than we're really used to because the content is different, so it warrants it. Um, so, the, to summarize Stan, Stan is a song sung from the perspective of a an obsessive fan of Eminem. And in the lyrics, Stan is writing letters to Eminem. And he's writing him at first. He's just writing about like, Hey, I'm your fan. Like, uh, this is, this is great. We relate. We have so much to relate to. Um, some of the stuff that he's telling him he relates to actually involves because he had a friend who committed suicide and trivializing some things like that. And then the second verse, he's become a bit more upset because Eminem hasn't written him back. And even more so, he felt like he was dismissed at a concert where he and his brother attended and Eminem didn't pay them any attention. So he gets a little bit more aggressive in his language. And he's like, Hey, you know, I want to, I want you to write me back. And, you know, you and I, I'm your big, I'm your biggest fan. You know, come on. I'm, I'll be the biggest fan you'll ever lose. He says in the second stanza. And then the third verse is where things really take a very abrupt and sudden dark turn. Uh, because in the third verse, uh, this Stan character has become so aggressively obsessive with Eminem and the fact that Eminem has not written him back that he has decided he is going to take his own life and the life of his pregnant girlfriend, uh, whom he uh, has positioned in the trunk of his car and he has gotten drunk and is driving in the car while he's, a, while he's yelling at Eminem in a way that Eminem will never hear because he's yelling in a, in a car on like a suicide run. Um, that verse is deeply disturbing. Like if we were doing our typical format, uh, that would be at the top and maybe the only button on my list of scares because it's a, it's a terrifying thing to hear. And I remember the first time I heard Stan, I, I got to that verse and I was like, dear God, I don't know what I'm getting myself into. I was not impressed at that point. I was just kind of like, this is, it's heavy. This is, yeah, this is so well, heavy. And, 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 and to to um, supplement what you're saying, if you haven't heard the songs yet, it's not just the lyrics. I mean, the lyrics are strong and potent and formidable, but right. also right. some of the audio sound effects they're using, like when, when Stan himself is talking about driving off a bridge, you hear the sounds of a woman muffled, you know, screaming from a trunk, you hear the sounds sure, of driving right. off a bridge, you hear the sounds of hitting water. So it's very ominous. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This is a, um, not to bounce back into trivial bits, but this is a, a subgenre of hip hop called horror core that, um, what? specifically, <laughs> that specifically deals with darker subject matter, darker imagery, darker sounds, uh, in both the music and, as you mentioned, the sound effects. But I can remember I was really surprised by the fourth verse. And the fourth verse is really what I found so powerful uh, because the fourth verse is Eminem himself no longer. I mean, the entire song is vocalized by Eminem. Sure. But in the first three stanzas, he's playing the narrative. Yeah. The narrative, he's playing this character named Stan. The fourth verse, it's him, Eminem as an artist, and he's writing back to Stan. And I remember being so just, it was so unexpected to me that this would be the content of the fourth one. Like he's writing and he's like, Hey, I hear your girlfriend's pregnant. How far along is she? You know? And he's like, Hey man, I, you're writing about some dark stuff. I, I say that stuff just clowning around. Like it sounds like you need some counseling and it sounds like you and your girlfriend really need each other. And maybe it's just, actually pretty compassionate. 
Yeah, very much so. And he says, you need to treat her better. And it's just like, and then he says, and this is the, this is one of the lines that got me. He said, before you hurt yourself, I think you'll be doing just fine if you relax a little. I'm glad I inspire you, but Stan, why are you so mad? Try to understand. I do want you as a fan. I just don't want you to do some crazy crap. And then when he says that, that's the moment where I was like, oh my gosh. He said, I do want you as a fan. I just don't want you to do something crazy. And then he starts talking about, he said, I heard this thing on the news that made me sick. It was that some dude drove drunk and drove his car over a bridge and he had his girlfriend in the trunk and she was pregnant with his kid. And in the car, they found this tape, but they didn't say who it was to. Come to think of it, his name was, it was you. Damn. And that's, that's how the song ends. Right. And I'm, and I can remember getting to the end of that song and being like, goodness, what did I just listen to? Sure. Like, it was one, it, it packed more in those like six minutes than I had felt it walking out of some feature films sure, that sure. are dealing with yeah. similar themes. It was so provocative and powerful. And like I said, undeniably explicit, undeniably controversial, undeniably provocative, but I would not call it careless. It's very intentional with what it's trying to sort of explore subject-wise. And so, I want to spend just a few minutes sort of just talking about Stan itself, and then we'll get to the second track. But I think that's one thing that, as I was listening to this, you know, Stan's character in the earlier in the earlier lyrics, of course, remembering that this is all Eminem. So, he's singing about this and writing about this and, and rapping about this character, Stan, but it's all sort of coming from his thought process of of how this is. And Stan quotes lines from earlier songs of his where from like his slim shady character, which is that homicidal maniac I was telling you about Stan quotes lines from slim shady songs, but quotes them as very sort of relatable sense. Right. Right. And so there's this undercurrent of the, the impact and the influence that art has on audience and that, and that, Sometimes that influence can be very specifically overtly negative, dramatically negative. It, again, it, it just, I just was not expecting somebody to explore the idea that art could lead somebody down a very dark, negative, and irreversible path like this. Sure. I, I don't know that I would go so far as to say that, that Eminem is taking responsibility for that. I don't think that that's what the song is trying to do, but there is this intentionality. Well, I, I think, I think just rephrase that, that statement. I think the power of the song and its delivery mechanism or as evidence in its delivery mechanism is it is asking the question, what level of responsibility do I have right. yeah. to, yeah. to consumers, to audience, to fans, to a person's response and reaction to the art I make. And that's, you know, to your point about intentionality and thoughtfulness, that is the essence of a thoughtful artist is mindfulness at the least, you know, of how is this being consumed out there now? You know, I, I, I don't have enough of a pool of knowledge of, of Eminem's interviews and, and, and things he talks about to know if that's ultimately being dismissive, but the art itself speaks in such a way that leads me to think it's not being dismissive of that idea. It's very much being right. conscientious and thoughtful. But 
you know, I, I don't know if you want to go into bad guy and then link these together thematically or if you want to actually actually let's do that that's probably it's probably a good chance to do that i want to give you an opportunity to talk for a little while because i was talking a lot to set up stan if you want to but i i can summarize bad guy for us if you want me to well and uh, i mean just as a funny sort of um intro into that so again i i took these two songs in a vacuum just just having no context of his music and I think I even initially listened to them out of order just because I didn't pay attention to the release dates and just, you know, I just knew we're talking about both these songs. So right, right. you had played Stan for me six months ago, eight months ago. And so I remembered it. I was listening to Bad Guy first and that's what tipped me off. I was like, okay, I don't recognize this one. And I just remember asking you, okay, remind me, is this, is this content linked specifically? Um, or is it just, sure, thema- right. is it, or is it just thematically linked? I mean, it's funny you camp out on Stan. I do think Stan packs such a punch just from a narrative storytelling structural standpoint. Sure. But sure. I was really blown away by just the delivery of bad guy. I mean, yeah. I don't love kind of the, that kind of devil voice he takes on in the, in bad guy. Yes. And not, be- yeah. not because, <clears throat> not because I don't like the idea, just because vocally I was like, oh, well, you know, you, you, I've kind of heard that style of something like this before. And so it didn't sure. move me a whole lot. What did move me is, gosh, I, I, it's been a couple hours since I listened to the song. So I don't know the actual text, but when he's getting real fired up at the end, just in terms of vocal delivery, that's oh, what, yeah. that's what really perked my ears up. I was like, man, this is again. I do think there's room for a conversation, maybe even to a small degree on this particular podcast about the subject matter of the art being made by an artist. But even setting aside that strain of the conversation, that's a passionate artist <laughs> who is yeah. and and kind of really makes you pay attention because he's in, imbuing such verve and energy and passion into this delivery um like you you kind of can't you kind of can't listen to it and not come away i will use the word impressed someone might challenge that word but you know i i really think it's there sure oh no i totally agree bad guy floors me every time i hear it it's it's a it that that moment that you specifically called out it really gives me chills because the 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 narrative of bad guy which will actually be briefer to describe than the narrative of stan the narrative of bad guy is the character of stan who took his own life in the earlier song um his younger brother in bad guy his younger brother comes back to hunt eminem down to to kill him to claim revenge so what happens is the first few verses are Matthew Mitchell, which if you'll notice the same M and the initi- same initials M and M, uh, Matthew Mitchell, this character is hunting down Eminem, the artist to try to take revenge for everything that all the pain that he's been caused. So he, he hunts down Eminem, but when he captures Eminem, which he does in the song, when he captures Eminem, suddenly Matthew Mitchell takes on the vocal stylings of Slim Shady. And again, the, keep in mind, this is a bit meta, uh, listeners. If you're, if you're not quite making sense of all of this, it's because it's all Eminem the artist singing. It's not different vocalizers coming in. It's just Eminem taking on these different personas. 
So Matthew Mitchell suddenly becomes Slim Shady, which in the narrative of that song essentially means Eminem is being captured and is at risk of being destroyed by himself, by his own sort of what he's produced and put out there. And then that moment that you talked about, again, he is in the trunk of the car this time. He is run off the bridge. And then when the sound effects hit and he's uh, sort of the music changes and shifts and it yeah, goes yeah. from this this uh, one particular rhythm that you were hearing. Suddenly, when the car goes off the bridge, then the music changes. It becomes a bit more grandiose. I'll call it I'll, I'll call it uh, anthemic. Uh, sure. The music shifts to that degree. And it's as if all of the characters are kind of closing in on Eminem. And it is almost literally like a man doing battle with his own demons. Sure, like sure. that, that, that yeah. impassioned delivery that you were talking about. Like it's, it's him. I mean, just rattling off a few of these lines, you know, he says, uh, in my head, there's a voice in the back and it hollers after the track is demolished. I am your lack of a conscience. I'm the ringing in your ears. I'm the polyps on the back of your tonsils eating your vocal cords after your concerts. I'm your time that's almost up that you haven't acknowledged. Grab some water, but I'm the pill that's too jagged to swallow. I'm the bullies you hate that you became. And then it says a little bit later, coming back on you, every woman you insult there with the double standards you have when it comes to your daughters. I represent everything you take for granted. And it's this, it's this thing that he's like confronting the facade of fame, the facade of celebrity and his own, uh, like the, the impact and influence that he's had. And I don't know. It just struck me. Very powerfully as like this piece of, I don't know that Eminem's being entirely confessional about it, but it's hard not to walk away from the song and think that's what he's doing. Sure, sure. That he's being confessional about the potential impact that he's had. And we're, you know, we're talking specifically about Eminem here, but I want to say one brief thing. And then I, I know I, I feel like I've dominated the conversation a little bit. So I want to give you a chance to respond. Stephen King wrote an essay a few years ago called Guns. Did you happen to read this essay? No, I just, I just knew it? the story you were about to tell when you said Stephen King in this conversation. Oh, oh yeah. Did you, were you prepped to tell it? Um, I, I didn't know all the ins and outs. I was going to set you up to tell it. So go ahead. It works. Oh, oh, awesome. Um, so, uh, he wrote this, uh, essay called guns and the essay is great. Um, he is a gun owner, but he, he wrote this essay and of course it is about the gun issue, but in it, he talks about his first novel. His first novel was called Rage, and it is a novel written back in the 70s about a high school student who carries a gun to his classroom. He shoots a couple of teachers. He holds a classroom of students hostage. It's understandable why that content is provocative, because in the real world, there have been some active shooters at school settings who have been found to have had a copy of Stephen King's book Rage uh, in their possession, either in their locker or at their home. So it began to be that that was linked, that book was linked as, you know, people were debating about causality and all this other sort of stuff. Well, in Stephen King's article, Guns, he talks about how he said, you know, at a certain point, I finally just said, take the thing out of print. And it is out of print. Like right now, like you'd have to buy a used copy. They are not making any more copies of this book at Stephen King's personal directive where he said, you know, no, I'm, I'm taking this out of print. And he's been asked before, he said, well, why did, you, why did you do that? Are you ashamed of the book? 
Are you ashamed of the content? Are you embarrassed by any of this? And he said, no, I'm not ashamed of the book. I'm not ashamed of the content. I think there's a lot going on in the book. I, I think there's something real to the book. But I took it out because, and I'm summarizing his entire essay probably rather poorly, but he said, I took it out because at a certain point, it's the responsible thing to do. Hmm. Yeah. At a certain point, you just have to take responsibility for the, the, the influence. And that's what I'd say on a thematic level of something that I think Stan and Bad Guy are both playing with is asking the question, as you put it, and take, trying to take responsibility for the level of influence that that you have. Now, he happens to be an artist, specifically a music artist, specifically a hip-hop artist. But I think that's something that we all would warrant examination in ourselves of examining both how we are influenced, like if we were taking it from that that level of how what we intake content-wise influences us in different directions, sure. but also the sphere of influence that we have over other people in our immediate vicinity and if we have presence on social media of our social media influence. But so here's a here's a question that may be productive, provocative, it may be benign, I don't know, but would you judge Stephen King had he not pulled rage from circulation? I guess I guess what I'm hmm. trying to get at like I find it very admirable on his part to have done that. As someone who, at least in my better creative moments, would want to carry the name artist, I don't know that I think that that's a necessity by any means. Mm. I think it's a valuable and healthy thing. I don't know that it's an unhealthy thing to to not do it. I don't know if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, um, no, it does. It does. You know, because this seems like a really random thing to throw in here, but I remember watching straight out of Compton, actually, uh, and, and just really wrestling with, like, there's such a way that, to paint with a really broad brush, dominant, typically white culture responds negatively to, specifically in this case, hip-hop, uh, but, but really almost any art that kind of challenges norms and, and articulates a strong point of view. Sure. Right. Right. And I remember watching straight out of Compton and really being like, I get it. I think, you know, like, in other words, I can't criticize these guys, even though I may think the, the ultimate content created has more question marks than maybe I'm comfortable with. I can't criticize it them because I do understand they are writing and creating from their perspective. Yeah. And I guess I just wrestle with like, because not everybody has that level of self-awareness, you know, mm. you do right. have your stands of the world. Did you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I did do a little research and see this, like that has been, that's entered like the Oxford English dictionary. Sure. As yeah. a reference to an obsessive personality. Sure. Yeah. I didn't know that. And I, I don't know. I, I think maybe in my naivete in a world where everyone conducts themselves in a healthy fashion, like, you are responsible for you. And, and, and any therapist would say that. You're responsible for you. Right. You know, right. saying, listening to Stan and Bad Guy or consuming lots of Eminem or consuming lots of hip hop and then going off and doing something ridiculous and asinine and destructive, you kind of don't get the card to play of, well, I'm going to blame it on hip hop or I'm going to blame it on Eminem. Like, mm. 
does that make sense? Like therapeutically. Oh, sure. Yeah, of course. Well, no. What we would then say is you've just got some mental illness. Um, mm, and I don't, right. I don't say that dismissively or condescendingly. So I don't know. I, th- I think, I think these two songs really, you know, awakened that sort of side of my brain of like, I do think it ultimately comes back to the, the intention of the content. I agree. You know, I agree with that. Um, if it is meant solely to provoke and solely to piss people off. Yeah. Sure. Oh, sure. It's value may have a, 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 a smaller measure than something like this. Right. Which is strong in its content, but its intention can't be separated from that. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I, I don't know. What, what do you think? Like, you know, when I asked the question of taking the Stephen King analogy and, and say he never takes, say he still writes the guns essay, but yeah. just to express that point of view, you know, d- does it matter to you that he doesn't take rage, at, rage, rage is the name of the out book. of circulation. Yeah. Does that matter? Does that change things? Um, I don't think it matters and I don't think it changes things to me. He saw it. And this is articulated pretty well in the essay. He saw it as this is my responsibility. And like you said, I admire him for that. Yes. Had yes. he seen it, had he seen it differently and said, no, that's, I mean, it, like, had he defended the artistry of that particular thing, I probably would have walked away agreeing with him. And because I, because I do think right. that I, there's this foggy place where you have, where in my, conviction and belief system, I have to recognize that the content I consume is going to have an impact on me. Right. To to pretend that it won't is naive. Sure. Period. At the same time, to act as if content of a certain nature is going to always evoke a certain reaction is equally naive in my opinion. Re- re- so, re- restate that. So, so in other words, uh, let me reframe it entirely just in case. So, to think that listening to music of a certain kind or uh, watching movies of a certain kind is not going to have an impact on me, that's foolish and naive. Sure. Horror films have an impact on me. Uh, these songs have an impact on me. Like, the, like, like putting them into my brain, putting them in my spirit, they're going to have an impact on me. So when people, uh, say like, oh man, that's going to have an impact on you. That's going to influence you one way or another. I'm like, I know, I know it will. To presume that that kind of material always is going to produce a certain effect. Sure. In other words, okay, like yep. listening to all of this is going to make you this thing. Right. I disagree with that. Yes. I think that is also totally. uh, naive. And I think that turns uh, humans into mere templates and the, as if we have no soul and spirit and as if we have no other influences chooser. of. Yeah. As if we have no chooser. Exactly. So, um, so I'm of the frame that I think. It's important to recognize those two realities. It's important to understand that the things that you allow into your heart and soul and mind are having an influence on you and to be aware of how they are influencing you. Are they carrying you to a somewhat darker place? Are they pushing you in a darker direction? If so, is that something you need to be mindful and cautious of and be protective of? But at the same time, not making judgment calls on necessarily the... and, And I agree with you that... Uh, some art is exhibitionist and exploitative and some art is, it, it feels like it is just trying to, to make people mad, right, upset people. Right. And, and that kind of stuff I don't have much tolerance for in, in my framework of things. Like if I get that sense, which is where I put Eminem as an artist, 
until I heard like these couple of songs sure. and then listened to some other of his material. And yes, there is some of his, I said it earlier, there are some of his songs that I'm just like, well, I'm never going to listen to that again right. Because, right. because I can't, you know, like it, it just doesn't do anything but me, but make me a little nauseous. There are other songs of his like, like these are not isolated in his catalog. There are other, there are other tracks by him that have a similar sort of frame of, Hey, this is intentionally provocative and it is intentionally trying to push a conversation forward. So in that degree, no, I would not judge an artist for saying, Hey, that th- the content is what it is and we can talk about it and we can dialogue about it because this, this does this, this touches on a variety of very complicated issues, right. domestic violence and, and self harm thoughts. And uh, I mean, it, it touches on, so much we we could talk for four hours and sexual not. identity and stuff well and exactly i don't know I, I i really wrestle with this issue a lot because you know again as as i mean you 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 have a somewhat side career as a writer and we talk about materials of of this type of nature and i just really wrestle because i think i want to be sensitive i don't want to quote unquote be a stumbling block which is such an abused statement in the church world but sure i also i also think you know my job as an art maker is to tell a story from my perspective and how i see the world and that sort of thing and it's our job as consumers to be able to sift like it's you got to put on different hats and you just have to be that mature adult who says okay i can consume this particular type of media diet because I have intentionally made sure I've got a robust type of media diet that is not all aggressive hip hop. It is not all horror body horror movies, you know, like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Those sorts of things are just part of being a mature adult, I think. And, and also knowing your limits, you know, I mean, but of course, but there's a difference I think between knowing your limits and judging an artist. I agree with that. And I think that line can get a little blurry. Anyway, I don't know. There's, there's just some interesting spokes on the wheel of where this can go. Yeah. And, and, and I think the, I'll, I'll bring in the scripture here as an eye toward, toward winding down. So you and I don't just talk about <laughs> part of the frame of this show is we're exploring some of the darker elements of human thought and human experience. Uh, both fantastical and realistic in the hope and the intention of trying to speak some word of gospel truth, as it were. Uh, and I don't say that in this real cavalier, uh, fundamentalist kind of way. I mean, we're trying to speak a word of hope and faithfulness and perspective and understanding into it. And it's something that when I look at this and I hear these songs, and I think about the, 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 the person of Stan in the, the fictional person of Stan or the fictional character of, of Matthew Mitchell. And I think about Eminem, who is a flesh and blood human being and an artist who has been given a tremendous amount of talent. Like, love him, hate him. He's talented. He may drive you up the wall, but he, he has got an insane amount of talented ability. And I think about him and I think about all the stuff that he wrestles with. And actually what comes to mind Surprisingly enough is Luke chapter 23 and 34, which we usually hear quoted uh, in terms of 
the cross and Christ's compassion, but this is what it said. Uh, Christ from the cross said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And when I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking about how, to be honest with you, you and I are talking about adulting in your influence and adulting in what you let into your heart and mind and, and, and doing so responsibly and doing so with thought and with intention. And I don't ever want to lose sight of the fact that sometimes we get it wrong, that sometimes we are going to make mistakes. Sometimes those mistakes are going to be drastic and dire. And I think that it's healthy to ask the question, what am I putting into my heart and mind and what is it doing to me? I think it's also healthy to ask the question, what am I putting out into the world and what is that potentially doing to other people? I think that understanding the influence that you're under and understanding your sphere of influence and then couching it all in if, if you feel like you've made mistakes or you're behind the eight ball or it's not going well in an understanding that the posture of Christ on the cross is they don't know what they're doing. Sure, sure. Wow. They, 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 they don't know what they're doing and Father, forgive them for that. And I think that that's something, you know, I don't want to make the episode all about that, but I think it's something that for for this material, one of the main reasons that I wanted to talk about this is that there are tremendous influences on us in in ways that we can't always quantify and in ways that we can't always calculate. And we ourselves have a tremendous unspoken impact on people that we may not even realize. Sure. So be mindful of how you use your words, how you use your influence. Be mindful of that. And be mindful of what you allow to influence yourself. That's what I wanted to uh, talk about with Stan and with Bad Guy. And, and that's the, yeah, that's the whole thrust of the conversation. I know there's a, a ton of different places we could go, but it, with an eye towards winding down, uh, but just, if, just be mindful. But if you're feeling good and you're a good, mature adult who can rightly consume media of all stripes and you take a hankering, roll down the windows and blare this stuff as loud as you can. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. Have you seen that scene in, to end on a very uh, lighthearted note? Have you seen that scene? Have you seen the movie Office Space? Years ago. You just made me think of one of the opening scenes where Michael Bolton, the character Michael Bolton, is stuck in traffic blaring hip hop out his window. And to... Uh, like this, I think it's uh, either a young black couple or, or maybe two black friends. They walk by, and when they walk by, he like quickly turns down, the <laughs> radio, slinks down in his chair, and then as soon as they walk by, he like blares it back up, That's and he's funny. all acting thuggish and everything. But, but uh, sincerely, unless you had some further thoughts, I think we can, I think we can wind down there. This is this is a little I'm, different uh, content I'm, for I'm us. Good, it's a little different. Um, but uh, and I think I think yeah, as we've said. Many times, you know, content not necessarily suitable for everyone, but if you can stomach it, definitely powerful and provocative art. Most especially made me think about the necessity and the importance of just being able to understand how we are influenced and how we influence other people. And most of all, because we're Christians, because we're believers, uh, that if you've made mistakes, if you feel alone, if you are in any sort of dark place because of what you have done or because what has been done to you, there is an advocate right now with the father under who understands that sometimes we don't know what we're doing and uh, who 
is actively trying to produce grace and forgiveness and wholeness in us. And, uh, and that's what we wanted to say. That's what I wanted to say. I don't want to speak for you, but well, I, I echo you and I say, amen and pass the plate. <laughs> so, um, we're going to skip our David pumpkins this week because, uh, we really only do that for, for films. But as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but it is not the end of the conversation. So, um, if there's anything that, you know, if, if you have any opinions or perspectives on any of these subjects or anything that we didn't speak of regarding these songs, uh, or regarding Eminem's work in general, uh, you can reach out to us in a variety of ways. Uh, easiest and fastest way to reach out to us would probably be through Twitter. Nathan, what is our Twitter handle? At the fear of God. You can also like us on Facebook. You can comment on the posts we leave there or post there yourself. You can also follow me on Twitter at Reed Lackey. And Nathan, where can they find you on Twitter besides the fear of God? They can find me on Twitter at the Nathan Rouse. You can also go to morethanonelesson.com to leave a comment on this post or any of the other official posts for our episodes. You can also uh, go to uh, email us at fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. And as we often say, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate that you leave us a review. So, um, Nathan. Read. Thank you so much for uh, for finally allowing us to... To engage with the, the Eminem, <laughs> as it were. Um, so, uh, so yeah, thanks. Yeah, I man. I'm glad you, I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you encouraged us to follow this dark little path here. Certainly. It's good, it's, it's good material. Certainly. So, um, stay tuned to social media to find out where we're going to be going next week and, uh, we will see you then, guys. See you later. Bye.